Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Surveillance. (laughs) (laughs) Today is another Friday. Uh, We've been recording on Fridays due to uh, Imani's schedule. I think this like works out better. Um, So yeah, speaking of work, this episode we are going to be discussing modern work culture we are both officially quote-unquote adults um have been working (laughs) full-time for a couple of months and i thought it would be a great time to kind of do a little reflection introspection into both of our experiences in completely different industries and maybe pinpoint some similarities and differences and if what we've learned thus far (laughs) what we've learned thus far um i guess i can start with my me um i'm thinking about getting another job so i guess we could start there (laughs) wow okay out the gates we're just zero to 100 okay we came out swinging (laughs) let's talk about you and me Um, yes, I'm thinking about getting another job due to um, the work culture not really being, uh, just not doing it for me. I feel at, at, at this current position that I'm in, like there, there could be a lot more improvement, a lot more um, boundaries in place, which has been something that's been uh, an issue and also, um, what was I gonna say? Goals. There aren't any clear goals in the current role that I'm in. And I'm a type of person that likes to have stuff to work towards or work, you know, yeah, like that has something to work towards. And lately I just, through this position, I don't have any clear goals or really even know what, what, the, what the company's mission statement is. So it's been, just an, an experience it's been an experience since i started back in back in april can you talk a little bit about how your the predominant surface level emotion changed from when you first onboarded to now like what is the predominant emotion so when i first onboarded the main emotion i was feeling was grateful i felt like uh, like this was the only position that would accept me, that would want me, because this is at a time where I had been pretty much unemployed as everybody else had been for uh, since I graduated. So back in 20, May of 2020 until April of 2021, I had been unemployed for the most part. So all I felt was just so happy, just elated, grateful to finally have a job. Now that I'm in the position, working in the position day to day, um, now I'm like, I know my worth. <laughs> right. Now I'm like, I know my worth. I know what I know. Now that I kind of experience corporate culture, I know that I want a different culture, um, a different work culture than what uh, my current company is providing me with. Um, and so I know that I haven't really done too many interviews or uh, applied yet, but I know now when I when the interviewer asked do you have any questions for us one of my main questions would be the work culture since that is something that I 
um, really value. Okay, fair enough. Can I ask you, was there a specific instance that made you realize, hey, actually, um, well, I guess my question is, was there an epiphany moment where you realized that you are valuable and that, you know, this isn't the only position that's going to accept you? Or was it a series of events that led up to this moment? What made me discover my 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 career worth? Um, I think throughout this position, working at a higher level than what is usually normal for for this position uh, made me realize my worth and that I can work hard, work towards um, something bigger and greater. And I can be a little bit more picky and sh- pick pick and choosy. Like I, I do have the option to pick and choose versus when I didn't have a job, I'm like, give me anything, you know? <laughs> I just need a job. I'll move wherever you need me to move to. Right. Um, but now I'm a little bit more like, no, I want a job that has this and these requirements and so forth and so on. So now I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I've raised my standards. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. And I want to spend a little bit of time on that topic because I feel like a lot of people that listen to our podcast are young adults or um, people currently enrolled in college and are maybe approaching that first step of either going through the interview process or are have accepted a role, you know, and are about to enter the workforce. So I will also have to second everything that you just said because I was going through a lot of emotions um, initially when I was first applying for jobs as well. And I tell people this all the time. I don't know what was more traumatic for me, the four years of college or applying for jobs. I really put them up at like the same caliber of essentially kind of stress and ambiguity and I would classify myself as a pretty adaptable person and maybe it was just a nuance of having graduated like you said in the years of 2020 I graduated in 2021 so there wasn't that much of a difference um but yeah I think it's really really important to put our emotions aside when we are applying for jobs it is right literally it 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 can be very easy for somebody to fall into the trap of oh I just need to accept the first offer that is given to me and I actually had people close to me tell me that directly because of the circumstances that were going on around us and I absolutely refused so I had to set boundaries within myself and say okay and I literally did this weeks in advance before interviewing where I sat down and I gathered data for salary projections as well as all of the cities or states that I was looking to apply to in order to calculate cost of living and once I did all of that I had a number in mind and I did not budge I was like if they are not willing to meet these requirements we're not having a conversation. It's it's a waste of time. Right. And I actually did do that for a couple interviews, you know, where they, they had stated, um, you know, hey, we only have a certain amount of capital for X, Y, and Z. This position's requirements are X, Y, and Z. Um, and I was like, that's fine. That's totally fine. You're allowed to have your own boundaries as a company as well, you know? 
Um, but, but I felt so like I. you from the get go already knew your worth. Like you went into the like the interview process for your first job out of college, knowing exactly what you wanted, even though you had submitted over you know. 200 300 400 500 500 you still didn't you still didn't um like lose faith or like lower your standards or lower your your uh your you know criteria how did how did you yeah how did you how did you do that because most people who come to college do not be doing that (laughs) yeah which i've noticed a lot of that's why i wanted to spend some time talking about it but i think that one, my mentality at that point in time was I have busted my ass for the past four years to major in engineering. Therefore, I am going to reap the benefits. Therefore, this, right. a certain ROI threshold has to be in place for all of this agony to have been worth it. Like right. that's how traumatic my college experience was. And if I wasn't going to meet that threshold, I was probably going to go into like full-blown depression after graduation, (laughs) to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, because it just statistically, it wouldn't have made sense on numbers. And I do not operate like that. So I was like, okay, I did the quote unquote hard part. Little did I know that applying for jobs was still going to be difficult, but I was like, at least I can set forth a plan after speaking with people and it was really discouraging. I don't want to say at any point in time, I did not lose faith because then I would be lying because there were people older than me that were accepting um, scientist positions, which um, are typically paid less than a full-blown engineering role. But because people couldn't find, you know, jobs they were just settling for whatever role was thrown at them and I didn't want to do that either I was like yeah being a scientist would be fun and that's always an option but that's not my first choice and I knew how much I was also going to have to account for cost of living because I went to school in Massachusetts there is a huge pharmaceutical and biotech hub in New England. Therefore, I knew that my chances of staying there and getting a job in that state were pretty high. And so I didn't feel comfortable, you know, accepting a certain salary range if it didn't meet what I needed on a monthly basis because I, you know, I don't have any family there. So I've, I would literally just be on my own like a lot of people are. So it's just having writing things out and doing the backup research like I know a lot of um there's a lot of blogs out there and YouTube videos and content online that says prep for the interview yes and no (laughs) right preparation for the discussion that you're going to have does need to take place but so does prepping all of the other aspects of the job offer just other than the base salary it really needs to be taken into account because then you finally start adulting and then you finally realize, you know, how expensive like health insurance is and all these other things. And so, yeah, it's just having a clear criteria and um, setting up clear expectations and saying those expectations on the first phone call with the recruiter. Mm. That's what. And I mean. that's so today. That's this because I've been trying to call this is a podcast but this is a little side story I had been trying to call Denisa all day to talk about um I had a call today with a recruiter and recruiters love to tell you what you want to hear yes 
So, of course, the, their first question is always, you know, what are you doing now? Tell me about your current position. What, you know? And so I tell them about my current position, um, everything that's already on my LinkedIn that they saw, which is why they reached out to me in the first place, but it's fine. <laughs> I told them about my current position and then they were like, oh, I think that you're a perfect match, a perfect fit. They'll always say this, whether you're a perfect fit or not they're gonna tell you that you're the perfect fit for whatever position. She then explains the position, explains that, you know, it's hybrid, even though like I kind of wanna stick to her working remotely and that, um, and that, uh, what else did she say about the position? Yeah, she goes through just what the position entails and essentially it's already everything that I'm doing now, if not less. Um, and so, <laughs> For some reason, the discussion of pay is always at the end, when I think it should be at the beginning, because from the get-go, once I tell you how much I would want, we don't have to we don't have to talk about anything else. So I tell her, I'm like, hey. So first she's like, oh, what is the range you're looking for? I gave her a range. She's like, well, actually this position uh, is about 10,000 less than what your range is. Um, but I think I can bring you in at about uh like what what was it like seven thousand less than what you're asking for okay i said um no ma'am no thank you <laughs> that was it no thank you no exact like there's nothing else there's nothing else to discuss right i'm like if you're not gonna meet me where i'm at then what are we we can hang up right here right now so here's the thing because i had this internal battle as well when i was applying base salary is not the most important thing for some people because they're also looking at equity sign-on bonuses relocation packages and uh health right. and all that i work in i work in fashion i don't right. get sign-on bonuses i don't get relocation packages i don't get um any of those things unless i'm uh, unless I've been in my 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 position for not my position, unless I've had ten years experience in the industry, then maybe I can start getting those things. But at the level that I'm at now, they are not bringing anybody with any relocation relocation package. So mm -hmm. even from the get go, it just it's not even the pay. It just wasn't worth it to begin with. After right. after I heard the pay and after I heard you know. After I heard that it's hybrid, I have to be in office. I have to move to New York. There's just, it's, it's. Did you try to negotiate at all during that first initial conversation? Because sometimes I, there were times where I did that. So, no, I did not try and negotiate, um, mainly because I know for a fact I am not interested in any hybrid model. Um, okay, fair enough yeah okay so yeah i'm setting my boundaries girl i'm doing it it took me a year or yeah. two <laughs> and sometimes it definitely takes a lot of practice i will say that as agonizing as it was to put in 500 applications maybe hear back from 100 and then interview for like 20 30 you do get a lot of practice i will say um so yes. I do feel more confident in my negotiation skills and essentially this whole process, you were selling yourself 
Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to negotiate on that first phone phone call. You know, bring up project experience certifications, all of that good stuff, and repeatedly ingrain in their head why you are worth X value. And there is a high possibility that they can move things around. They just have to get further approval from the people that work above them. Um, not all the time, because at least I know with engineering, they do have a very, very strict set budget where they cannot, you know, move around by. But other industries are different. So it really depends. Never hurts to ask, though. And yeah, negotiate. I'll definitely negotiate next time for a remote position. I would be more willing to uh, explain why I am worth the more, the the increase. <laughs> right. And I know something interesting during the pandemic was that people were negotiating lower pay to have that remote opportunity because they knew mm. that people weren't going to relocate. Um, so that's something you can negotiate off the bat too. If she says hybrid, then, you know, maybe every once in a while you'll have to go up to where your company's at, but Everything is negotiable, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Everything. I, that is great advice. And I think our listeners will also think that that is great advice. Because I know me personally, um, I don't look at everything as an opportunity to negotiate. Um, I usually just, for the most part, unless it's something that I really, really, like, really, really want, for the most part, I just accept things for what they are, um, as as the person t- tells me. But no, you're right. I need to, I need to not do that anymore. No, ma'am. Because getting that first initial phone call, I realized was one of the hardest parts. Once I had mm-hmm. them on the phone, I was like, "There's no way I'm not gonna prepare for this and ask for X, Y, and Z." Wait pause are you so when you mean recruiter are you mean a recruiter come coming from the agency like from the act not the agency from the from the company it depends on the company sometimes it is the hr manager disguised as the recruiter sometimes it is the recruiter sometimes it is the actual hr person um from my experience with engineering roles so for me and, and fashion the recruiters that reach out to me come from a specific uh, recruiting agency. Um, they're, they're, I never, for the most part, get recruited by people actually from the um, the company, the parent company. Yes, the parent company. So it's always a recruiter who's like um, doing that. I'm not sure. Are you applying that. through mm-hmm. third-party services? I mostly apply through LinkedIn, um, and LinkedIn, of course, sometimes takes you directly to the website. Yeah. Okay, that's also interesting. Regardless, I would still highly encourage everyone to negotiate everything. I negotiated my start date. I negotiated the equipment that I have in front of me. I also asked for additional uh, travel relocation expenses. Um, what else? I did ask about equity. They did not offer that, unfortunately. So then I asked for an increase in base pay. <laughs> so where, wherever they say no, typically you can compensate somewhere else, but never just accept the no. That is, that is my main rule and advice. Never um, accept it. 
right. So I think I had a list. I had a note note tab in my iPad of things that I was looking for. And mm-hmm. I would just adjust those benefits numbers based on the company and what they offered me. Um, so that's why, you know, I feel like the negotiation can be a little tricky for some people. But if you have it right in front of you, once you once you talk to a couple people you kind of get the hang of what exactly you're looking for and then Mm -hmm. on the fly you can adjust accordingly based on what they tell you because like if you give me three no's then i'm giving you three buts period see i've never been and i feel like that's the reason why i probably didn't do as well in my interviews interviews when i was interviewing um during that whole year where I, i didn't have a job I didn't realize until I talked to you, I didn't realize how much preparation actually goes in to interviews. Like, of course I've just prepared for the questions, but I could have explained myself a lot more thoroughly. I could have uh, gone into more details. I could have really sold myself. Instead, I just kind of, I think it's because I was also insecure in my abilities and was like thinking, even though I have, I had had all this internship experience, I was still second guessing um, just my abilities and my worth uh, regarding the, my career. So right. it's yeah, a process, man. It definitely is. is a process. Like the interview questioning part is probably the most insignificant in my opinion, because they're just trying to get to know you as a person. The follow-up, the pre-preparation, the negotiation, closing the contract, renegotiating the contract, There's, it's definitely a systematic process. And I really wish the Career Development Center, at least at my university, kind of prepared me better from that other than just reviewing my resume. You know, like nine times out of 10, like, yes, they will look through your resume, of course, to give you that initial phone call. But again, that part combined with the questionnaire is very insignificant. Um, so anyways, I want to pivot a little bit yeah. and kind of talk about where we're currently at in our role and where we want to move forward. If you have any plans or words of advice. How am I moving forward? Um, before I do anything, I'm going to call Denisa. Um, and that is how I'm moving forward. <laughs> God. She will be reading my resume. She will be reading my cover letters. She will be right there next to me as I'm interviewing for the position to coach me through. I will that definitely is, be there. That is uh, how I'm proceeding. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm for it. Honestly, at this point, I feel like I should make like an ebook or a guide or something because I get questions like this all the time. All the time. Definitely. Um, but yeah, my six month anniversary with my current company is coming up in a couple weeks this month mm-hmm. of December. I onboarded in June, so very close um, after graduation, work remote. And it's been, it's been pretty well so far i don't have many complaints which makes me really sad every time money calls me and tells me about all her traumatic instances at work um because i think i I love what i do (laughs) yeah i would lose my marbles um definitely was concerned about all of the things that she stated when i started um I think I was very naive going into the role because I had no idea what to expect, especially working remotely as an engineer. I was like, well, what is this? 
Um, mm-hmm. So for a little bit of background, I would say my role is a combination of traditional engineering principles with sales engineering. So I guess it worked out great because my master's is in management. So I kind of get to combine both of the skill sets together. I don't think I've ever desired to go full on 100% process engineering um, like many of my colleagues. So I'm definitely grateful. Um, As time progresses though, you do start to understand the nuances of the company the processes that are there or are not there and kind of start to develop your own solutions to the problems that you see right because a lot of these people have been in these roles for this company for a very long time so they actually all of my team members really emphasize that they were looking for my opinion in the first 30 60 and 90 day reflection that we did because I was essentially coming in with a fresh new set of eyes. So I actually did report my findings. I was keeping notes on a daily basis and just trying to find trends and patterns that weren't clear to me, because if they're not clear to me, they're most likely nine times out of 10, not going to be clear to anybody else that onboards after me. And then we're just gonna continuously have to keep training these people. So in the first month I put together some onboarding PowerPoints and materials which were quickly utilized by our fourth team member that literally joined a month after me. So she very much appreciated those. But yeah, it's been interesting to work remote. I feel like now that I've started working remotely, I do not foresee myself not, which is very interesting, (laughs) right? Because one of the main reasons I went into engineering was to kind of have that like on-site experience and work with my hands, which I'm not opposed to. However, I am very much enjoying my flexibility to come home whenever I want to, not even have to really take off days of work because I can travel over the weekend. As long as I have Wi-Fi, I'm good, right? So I've really been enjoying that aspect. And as we progress towards the new year and the company makes new goals, I'm looking forward to tackling on some more strategic projects. So my manager and I will be sitting down for that. Um, Cause I guess over time, you know, <laughs> you just get handed more responsibility. <laughs> yes. How has it been? How has it been uh, accepting more responsibility? How how has that been for you? How have you been processing the fact that, you know, you are giving, like, within six months, which is a pretty quick turnaround time to Mm -hmm. now be given more responsibilities? Yeah, I thought it was interesting as well. I mean, I always go into a new experience, like, full-fledged headfirst in. And I think a lot of people recognize that early on. I was taking a lot of initiative, but I was also really scared because I didn't do a very good job of setting boundaries in school. And I really wanted to do that like in the workforce and not just be a yes man all the time because burning out was not something that I was looking forward to ever. So I have very strict personal guidelines as to when I log off and on. So as long as I'm able to maintain that, 
in that time frame and get my work done in that a lot of time, then I feel like I can accept on new work. But I really do take time to reflect on the gravity of the project before I go on and say yes. Mm-hmm. Because then the quality of the work starts to diminish and I'm not putting my name on anything that I'm not proud of. So, right. yeah, it was kind of scary in the beginning, but continuous. Now you're, now you're a pro. Also, apologies for my audio. I'm staying at a hostel, so there will be background noise. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> She's having the time of her life regardless, so. Oh, gosh. But I really am. We can discuss that later, though. (laughs) Next week's episode. Stay tuned on Imani's Portugal solo travels. Right. The the end of my three weeks trip, I'll have a I'll make a list of things that I I have discovered. That would be so much fun. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. But anyways, I think we can wrap this up because we are running out of recording time. So Yeah, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you all next week. See you next week on Inner Surveillance.